Good morning. Now, now I'll be official up here. How's everybody this morning? Good, 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 good. For those of you who I didn't forgot to tell our speakers, we are recording this, so make sure that you're speaking into this this mic. Um, and this will be put up onto our website. So if your colleagues weren't able to come, if you have, want to pass it along, just keep checking back on our website, and it'll be up there. My name is Andrea Snyder. And I do want to welcome you. I work here at the library with the Grants Collection. Who here has used Grants Collection resources before? I hope to see many more of you back. And thank you for those of you who have used them. We are a nonprofit resource center. We're connected with the Foundation Center. Our website is on the handout in the flyer that was out front. So what we, what we can do for you, what I can do, we offer these classes through, we'll do them through June and then start back up in September. Everything's free that we do here. We have a database, Foundation Directory Online, which is a great resource when you're looking for foundation support. Feel free to contact me if you want. Um, I can, we'll set up a time and I'll show you how to use it, sit down with you, try to find those really good fits for your organization. Other things that we have, we have books, lots and lots of books that can be checked out. I know that probably not all of you are from Baltimore City, not a problem at all. I can send your books, books to you on any topic to any public library in the state. You can return those books to any public library in the state. So you can call me, email me, and say, hey, Andrea, I want a book on examples of proposals. I'll get it to you, not a problem. Hey, Andrea, I want a book on accounting for nonprofits. I'll get that to you. Not a problem. You can contact me and say, Andrea, I don't know. I'm trying to work on something. I don't know where to go. I don't know who I need to talk to. And I'll try to refer you to the best organization. So I do a lot of, I'm going to connect you with the right and the best resources. So please, please, please do come back and visit me. I love visitors. And do, if you can't come and visit, call, email me. I am here for you. Very excited about today's session. It started out um, with a conversation with Eric Brenner, who's the, he's going to be speaking, and he's the, the director of the Governor's Grants Office, and then it just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger. And so we're partnering with Maryland Association of Nonprofits, as well as the Governor's Grants Office, so thank you to both of those organizations for making this as successful as it is. The speaker's list is on, it'll be purple or pink, depending on which sheet you got. We're going to flip it a little bit. First speaker is going to be Neil from Maryland Association of Nonprofits. Sorry. <laughs> Got confused. Thank you, Andrea. T t times are tough, and so we have to... Uh, Really um, appreciate our state treasures, and Andrea Snyder is one of our state treasures. Thank you very much. And thank you for organizing this conference. Uh, I'm very proud to be here with the uh, Pratt Library and the Governor's Grants Office. Um, so uh, I'm Neil Bergsman. I'm the director of the Maryland Budget and Tax Policy Institute, which is a uh, teeny tiny little public policy think tank that is part of the Maryland Association of Nonprofit Organizations. Um, 
And what I thought I would talk about today is how does the economy affect the Maryland budget? How does the federal stimulus funding affect the Maryland budget? How is the budget balanced? And perhaps most importantly, what will happen in the future? That sound good? Okay, we'll take that. And uh, for those of you uh, who are in the future and watching this on the web, you can find this presentation uh, on the Maryland uh, Budget and Tax Policy Institute website, www.marylandpolicy.org, in the In the Community section, and you'll see the presentation on May 20th. So, the first thing we have to understand about how the budget is affected by the economy is that the money that comes into the state is very sensitive to overall economic conditions. When we look at our state general fund, which is the uh, money that the governor and the general assembly have to spend on stuff that they think is important without uh, a lot of uh, restrictions and stuff. Um, half of that money comes from income taxes, and another quarter comes from sales tax. So if people are earning wages, interest, dividends, and rents as income, the state gets money that it can spend on education, health, public safety, safety net programs, and if people are buying taxable goods like clothes and candy bars and washing machines, the state gets money from that. Well, in the uh, past two years, some people in Maryland have been losing their homes uh, back before the recession in the early 2007 if we had a quarter where there were three or four hundred notices of mortgage default, that was a pretty bad quarter. And as you can see, it's grown to the point where we're now having 6,000, 7,000 mortgage default notices a quarter. So that begins to affect people's income. It begins to affect people's ability to buy clothes, candy bars, and washing machines. Uh, Maryland traditionally has one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country. We still have one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country, but that is a lot higher than it was a year or two ago. So we have people who are being thrown out of work and if I was going to show you another graph, I could show you that we're also increasing the number of people who are underemployed, who would like to work full-time but can only work part-time. Um, so if you're not working, you're not paying income tax, and you're probably not buying as many clothes, candy bars, and washing machines, so the state isn't getting as much money. Well, some of you remember back uh, between Halloween and Thanksgiving 2007, the legislature came into special session to fix the budget. Anyone remember that? Um, and we raised the sales tax 
We adjusted the income tax to make it more progressive. We raised the corporate income tax, and we, uh, we, we uh, put forward a referendum for the voters to decide whether to have slot machines or not, which the voters subsequently approved. Well, after that special session occurred, this graph shows you the revenues the state was expecting. That was the revenue stream that was going to allow us to fix the budget. September of 2008 is when the governor had to start making his budget decisions for the budget that, as it turns out, the legislature just passed. At that point, we were starting to see some of that weakness in the economy that I just went through, and you see the line went down. We didn't have nearly as strong growth as we were expecting. By December, the governor had to make his final decisions on the budget, the growth had completely disappeared. That's pretty much a flat line. And the revenues were estimated one more time before the legislature took its final action on the budget. And I want you to look at that blue line with the circles, and particularly that FY10 dot right there. Now look along back to the left and you will see that the dot for FY10 is pretty much on the same spot as the dot for FY07. So in the budget that we're going to start next July 1st, we expect to have the same amount of money that we used for the budget that we had three years ago. The bad economy has wiped out three years of economic growth and all those tax and revenue increases that, that we, with great difficulty, enacted during the 2007 special session. Just <clears throat> gone. Start over, back to square one. So that's what has happened in the economy that has made this budget so difficult. It's not unique to Maryland. 47 states are facing the same kind of problems as us. We are not alone. Well, um, and, and if we're going to get out of this problem by cutting the budget, I like to say that when you're adding to the budget, you can be real creative. When you're cutting to the budget, you can only cut what's there. And if we look at what the state spends money on, a third of it is education, the uh, light blue public schools, the medium red higher education. You add in Medicaid and other health programs, you're over half. You add in transportation, public safety, and social services, and you're well over three quarters. So basically, for the folks who say the state's got to run like a business or like a household and just curb its spending, well, if we're going to follow that path, it means cutting education, health, public safety, and social services because that's what's there to be cut. Everything else isn't big enough to solve the problem we have. So you might also hear someone saying, when is the state going to get around to start managing its budget and cutting spendings? And the answer to that would be July 2007. 
Two years ago, when, when the governor made his first $200 million down payment on the structural budget shortfall, and I'm not going to go through the list line by line, but you can see that the governor and general assembly have already cut a cumulative $2.7 billion out of these budgets. So we, we've been cutting expenditures, and we've been cutting what would otherwise have been our, our growing investments in education, health, public safety, because that's what's there to cut. So the cavalry came over the hill. Without the National Economic Stimulus Program, we would have been facing really catastrophic choices. So as I think you all know, $787 billion national package, of which $223 billion goes to state and local governments. Why was this such a good thing to do? Well, it helps the economy in this recession. Um, business and consumer spending is down in order to preserve jobs and, and preserve production. Government has to step in. State and local governments can't do it because they have to balance their budget. The federal government is really the only player in this drama that, that can step in and prop up the economy. And because the state-run programs that, that these dollars are directed to, health, education, jobs, and training, are the programs we need to help people who are in need during this recession. Um, $2.1 billion that we can directly apply towards the budget. Another almost $800 million in infrastructure, a lot of that in transportation, but also water quality and housing get, get big pieces. Another almost $800 million that come to us through formulas, education, nutrition, unemployment, training, and weatherization are some of the big pieces. And I know some of the state agency representatives who will come after me will talk in more detail about those. And there's $19 billion in competitive grants nationally that Maryland governments or nonprofit organizations may be able to compete successfully for. Governor O'Malley put forward a three-year plan for using that $2.1 billion that uh, was available for flexible budget balancing. And you see, most of the money went to deficit reduction. It basically plugged the holes created by that downturn in revenues that we saw on, uh, on the chart that I kept showing you where the lines kept going down. Um, and then the next biggest piece went to education because education is the governor's top priority and education is where the Congress directed the stimulus funds. And other stuff, including health and job training and public safety and what have you. Now, deficit reduction sounds dry and somehow wasteful, like throwing money into a black hole or something. But in this case, deficit reduction means that we're funding education, health, public safety, in income support, other assistance programs that would otherwise have to have been cut to meet the revenue shortfall. So I, I may say deficit reduction, but when I say that, you should think health, education, public safety, social safety net, all the stuff that would otherwise 
have uh, suffered cuts. Our legislature did enact a budget uh, about five weeks ago. The budget actually increases. The total budget is a 3.5% increase over the current year. The general funds, the money that comes from that income tax and sales tax and Eric Benner's, Brenner's speeding tickets, uh, went down. But it was more than made up for with the federal stimulus payments we'll be talking about today. So for this year, we have a little increase. How was it balanced? It was balanced on the federal stimulus payments, $2.5 billion, including the, uh, that... Uh, the, that categorical money, $1.8 billion in transferring money from various special funds, uh, piggy banks under rocks behind sofa cushions, and uh, $840 million in cuts made by the legislature. Uh, the biggest loser in terms of what the legislature did to the budget proposed by the governor was local government, the legislature also cut back on Medicaid funding, but they really didn't cut eligibility or services. They found money in other sources to replace general fund money. And after that, higher education, including the uh, public colleges and universities and the private institutions, took fairly hefty cuts in the legislature. Um, increases that we normally expect that will not happen State employees, most Medicaid providers, most group homes and similar service providers, and the uh, local aid formulas will not see, for the most part, increases. They'll see flat budgets. The future. Well, I'm going to say that it doesn't get any easier and it probably gets harder. Next year's shortfall is projected in the $1.2 billion range, which, uh, you know, that, 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 that used to be a lot of money. We're sort of used to dealing with billion-dollar shortfalls now. Um, next year is a state election year. So if revenues were considered off the table this year, next year they'll be out of the dining room. We have $650 million in the reserve fund. We could tap that. But the legislators and, and uh, the, the other public officials in Annapolis really hate to go into that 5% reserve fund. They're convinced that if we do that, our credit rating will plummet. I've talked to the credit rating analysts. What they say is that we expect you to use the reserve fund when you need it, but when you use it, we expect you to have a long-term plan to bring your budget back into balance and replenish the reserve fund. So I think if things get bad enough, we can tap into that reserve, we should tap into that reserve, but we should have a plan for restoring the money. The all-cut solution, I think, is what you're going to hear legislators and other people talking about over the next several months. Um, I think it's not realistic. It means cutting into education. It means cutting into our Medicaid expansion. It means cutting into social services in ways that I don't think are acceptable to people here in Maryland. And I think we need to start talking up the idea of a balanced solution to the budget problem. Um, so that's kind of gloomy, but two years out, things get worse the stimulus aid runs out, 
the shortfall is projected around $2 billion. Um, and maybe at that point, I hope, we'll be into an economic recovery and perhaps the revenues will be somewhat better than what's being projected now, but certainly those aren't eggs you want to count on. So this is the legislate, legislative staff's budget forecast. Um, so the triangles show you how much we're spending out of state funds. And what I want to point out to you today is that the dotted line with the diamonds adds in the federal stimulus money. So you see that we'd have about a billion-dollar gap next year, 2010, if it weren't for that stimulus money. That makes sense. In 2011, which will be what next year's legislature looks at, we have a $1.2 billion gap, and that would be another billion dollars worse if not for the stimulus money. In 2012, the stimulus money goes away, and we have close to a $2 billion projected gap to solve. Um, and my suggestion is that at some point, we're going to have to suck in our guts, be responsible, and look at taxes again. There's no one who holds elective office that wants to hear that, but I think the arithmetic is inexorable, and uh, we, we, we need at least for our public officials to be leaving that option open for the future, and when the time comes, we at the Budget and Tax Policy Institute have some ideas for some fair and uh, only moderately uncomfortable ways we might be able to get some of that revenue. So with that, thank you very much, and uh, I think we, we, we have a very uh, interesting program for the rest of the morning, and hopefully uh, some people will provide you with better news than I just have. <laughs>
the number of grants, but it is going to change the dollars. And Neil did a really good job of sort of talking about that. So that to put it another way, um, if in a normal year we get $7 billion in federal grants coming in, an abnormal year like this one and the next will pop up at least a full billion dollars. And you know, I, I wish I was paid for performance based on increased federal dollars coming in. It's not quite the way it works. Um, all right. Um, yeah, so the Recovery Act, nobody, again, this is sort of using the Neil Bergsman, let's be honest, nobody would really pretend that the Recovery Act was meant specifically to help nonprofits. It was meant to create jobs, it was meant to move money quickly into the economy, and, and yet it's really big. There's chunks of money coming in about 90 different places. So in the big picture, while it's, it's fair to say this wasn't meant specifically to target or help nonprofits, there are multiple places in there where there are funding streams that really do come back to either directly or potentially help nonprofits. And today's event is different than a lot of the things we've done at the grants office where it really was targeted to the nonprofit community. So in working with Andrea and working with the Association of Nonprofits, we really tried to, to focus as specifically as we could on the parts of the bill where there are funds that either in theory or in practice can help nonprofits. And um, uh, so while overall a fairly small percentage, uh, it's a small percentage of a very large pot of dollars, and that's what we're going to be talking about for most of today. As you'll notice, I just went to the, uh, the ObamaRecovery.gov website, which is interesting for a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which being it's in the law. The Recovery Act has a very specific section saying what each state government must do in terms of creating a website and reporting back how we're spending your taxpayer dollars. And while most states would have done this anyway, it was very interesting to see the level of specificity that we, have to, uh, that we actually have to deal with in putting these things up. What's about to pop up on the Obama recovery site is, um, I think it's still coming, Slowly. All right, Andrea, I assume it will roll up here. It's going to be a map of, in that gap, there will soon be a map of the 50 states. And you can click on each state and actually see what they're doing to demonstrate um, where their money is going. And if I give up here and figure Andrea might be having a graphics problem, we're going to go at this another way. Um, if I can get it to pop up that way. Well, I'm gonna, and that's what I was going to do was show off. Here's the, the federal place. You can compare us. We think we have a pretty hot website. You can compare us to the others. Um, uh, .us. So now I'm just going to get to the, govery, the governor's page. And again, I'm, the graphics aren't rolling up here. But this will get to it. You live by technology, you die by technology. Um, so anyway, every state has, and, and this still is kind of interesting if, if you care about this stuff. Every state has a website. Here's the governor's website, which is connected to a state stat system. So by, by either you know, thought or coincidence, by having a state stat system patterned after the city stat, 
uh, actually mapping where the money goes is something that the governor was already doing. Now let's just pull back. And if you go to the governor's homepage and it states that.maryland.gov slash recovery, the part that's of most interest to most people here, and we're not going to spend much time on it, is there's a detailed map of Maryland projects. And this section breaks out the state by county. And this is, again, just as the United States map didn't come up, if you do this at home, this will come up here. And there will be every city and every county mapped out and you can actually drill down on transportation projects, water projects. You can see what's already going on in your jurisdiction to the point of even who has the contracts. So if you or someone in your family is interested in doing road building, you can see who got the contracts to do the certain paving and, and uh, activities like that. It's a fairly complicated page, and that's, this is actually a good demonstration of the risks of the complexity. It's, it's pretty high-powered stuff, and yet it isn't just a simple listing of spreadsheets. But you can, you can drill down, see where the money's already being spent. The piece that's probably of more interest is down here on grants, grants and contracts. And this has been assigned to my office. We have three people full-time, but we have one who spends a very good portion of her time going through four sources to look for new grant and contract opportunities just with recovery funds. So every morning, Susan Casey hits four different places the one is uh, grants.gov, which is direct federal grants. The other is FedBizOps, which is federal contract opportunities, which won't be of much interest to you. Again, if this was a private sector group, I'd talk more about that. Um, at the state level, eMaryland Marketplace is state contracts, but then a lot of the people in the room, the state agency folks, give us information on state grants that they're putting up. And what we have in the search grant and contract opportunities section will be a list of, I want to say it'll be between 60 and 70 live grant and contract opportunities. We break them out by topic, but we also just plug them in so you can see the most recent posting date. And they're split up by contracts and by grants, and you can see the most recent run in the last couple of days, a big slug of contracts, and a lot of these are going to be transportation. So it looks like MDOT recently put a bunch of new contract opportunities up. Um, we put a lot of the grant opportunities will, in fact, be research grant opportunities, which, again, may not be perfect for what you're doing. But at this point, we're just putting everything out there. When it's live, it goes up on the site. When it passes a deadline, it comes off. And it's, uh, so there's 79 live opportunities right now with recovery funds dealing with a wide range of things. And it can be something as simple as maintenance dredging of Greenvale Creek, wherever that is. Um, to Strengthening Communities Fund, nonprofit capacity building grant, which is one of the few things in the new act which really was targeted for nonprofits. This will be heavily competed for. It's $50 million nationwide to help on capacity building for nonprofits, broken into two different segments. And there's a whole long list of other things that are, that are on here. So that's, um, that's kind of a key piece of the site for, uh, from the grants office. And I'm going to take you to one more place if this works, and um, and even this is interesting. The website, everyone says these websites change every day. This is a case in point. This absolutely has changed from yesterday. So some of the buttons have moved around. Um, we have a governor's grants office website, which is much lower tech. And there's one thing we, we park on there that I want to show people. 
that still might be of interest. Um, in the what's new, we have Recovery Act information, which is where we put a lot of things that don't make it up to the big, the big website. And a couple of the things we've parked on there, once it links over, You get to this page and you'll see a couple things that I think are of interest. The website, again, very high-tech, very much map scannable. And yet if you just want a general summary of what's actually in the act itself, we put links. Senator Cardin and Congressman Van Hollen have very nice, easy-to-use 40 to 50-page books with a, just a one-paragraph summary of each of the programs. And that matches up somewhat nicely with the thing we call the ARRA Funding for Maryland Spreadsheet. And let's see if this opens up. This is a spreadsheet which some of you have seen before. And it started way back when these bills were first, before they were even passed. I was trying to track what was in the various versions of the bill to guess how much money we would be getting. Um, while extremely low tech, it's a, it's a way, I mentioned the number 90 in the left-hand column. There are, we're now up to 92 different parts of the bill where it looks like money is going to come in in some way. And whether it's NIST or NOAA grants or FIRE Act grants or Homeland Security grants, everything is at least dumped on here with the appropriate state agency where it might be going through total national dollars, Maryland numbers, if I sort of knew at the time what, what to expect. But then as you slide over to the right, we have websites and the all-important real-life human beings in state government who will be the expert contact on this stuff. So if something hasn't happened yet, um, my guess is some of the speakers you see have their names up here on the board. So if you're really interested in digging in where money is coming, it, this fills the gap between the new opportunity site, which are live opportunities, and the rest of the bill where the money is still sitting out there and, and something might actually come somewhere down the line. So with that, I'm going to move right into our state speakers. And uh, again, these people were picked pretty, pretty carefully. Everything they've, um, they've got to talk about is really meant to be geared for the, uh, for the nonprofit community. We're going to give each one about 10 minutes. And I think the, the Q&A, the preference was to wait till the end rather than throw specific questions at people. And I'm going to call people up in the order they're listed on the program, with one exception. I think we're missing one speaker, but we'll keep moving through. And if the people coming up want me to go to their state agency websites, I can do that as well. Um, first up is Deborah McClung. And Deborah works for the Governor's Office of Service and Volunteerism, which uh, does the AmeriCorps programs and AmeriCorps VISTA, the whole volunteerism uh, ethos was very big in, in the bill, and you're, you're seeing that with the Obama administration. So it was um, it's the state. Hang on just one second. I'll leave that page up for you to do your talk, and she'll talk about money that's currently flowing through the Office of Service and Volunteers, but AmeriCorps in general, and, and what to expect. Good morning. I'm going to serve as my own graphic today. Um, <laughs> so if I move around a little bit, um, that's what I'm doing. Uh, my name is Deborah McClung, as Eric said, and I do work with the Governor's Office on Community Initiatives and the Governor's Office on Service and Volunteerism. And our office is um, designed to help 
create, promote, and support opportunities for Marylanders to get engaged and stay engaged with volunteer, volunteerism and service. And one way we do that is through our AmeriCorps programs, and that's how recovery dollars have come through our office. We've seen a little bit of the change that's coming through our office. And how many of you are familiar with AmeriCorps programs? Oh, good, good. Nonprofits, that's why. Great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, for those few of you that aren't familiar, AmeriCorps is a um, national service uh, opportunity for citizens to serve in their local communities. Um, and they do education projects, environmental projects, um, public safety, and they also focus on unmet human needs and um, uh, human disasters. So, People can serve and earn a stipend of up to, um, well, depending on the program that you're serving with, you can earn a stipend biweekly and an education award of $4,725 at the end of a year. And what that does for organizations like yours is gives you the opportunity to have human capital as opposed to money. And a lot of people um, go for money first. We're always looking for money. I also started a nonprofit, so I know I'm looking for money too. And it's hard and it's getting harder. So what we offer is human capital through our AmeriCorps programs. AmeriCorps members and VISTA members are linked up with nonprofit organizations to help provide uh, resources to communities. AmeriCorps members provide direct service. So if there's schools, they're doing tutoring or after-school programs. If there's nonprofits like I'm, what I'm handing out is a list of the current AmeriCorps programs that our office currently funds through the Corporation of National and Community Service. And you'll see on there that that list is broken down by region, um, area of service, and area of interest. So we give that to people who may be interested in serving. And how this would benefit you all is that if you're interested in having people resources and human capital, then you might want to reach out to one of these programs directly because some of the money that we had come through our office has helped to expand these programs. The recovery dollars um, that came through our office is actually helping our existing programs grow by 10,000 members. Um, and, and we're just a small pocket of that, 10,000 members. Um, so if you're interested in having a member serve, then this would be a great opportunity. In addition, how many of you all are familiar with the Serve America Act? that just passed. Well, that is an opportunity for us to expand AmeriCorps across the country. And by 2017, we're hoping to have 250,000 members across the country. So what does that mean for Maryland? And more particularly, what does that mean for you? That means you have the opportunity to reach out and get some of these members and or apply for a grant for your program. Um, not only can you get human capital, but you can apply for a grant to have 10 or 12 members in your nonprofit organization. Now, that requires a lot of work, and, and I don't have but probably four minutes left. And, <laughs> but if you're interested in that um, avenue, I can certainly speak with you individually about that. But you can find out more information on our, um, on our website uh, that is not up, but it's uh, gosv.state. Dot md dot us. Or you can also find out more about AmeriCorps programs through americorps.gov. Okay. 
Right, next up, we're going to skip to John Greiner in Department of Housing and Community Development. But as, as, a, as a brief intro, while I get to his website, there's a, a gentleman in the audience named um, Stephen Novick, who many of you probably don't know. He, he, he recently moved here from Buffalo to work for United Way. And uh, we were talking the other day about various human service activities. And he said, you know, housing is the one area. This is the trickiest one by far, because if, you know, to be an expert in housing, you can't really bluff your way through. These programs are so complicated, and the funding flows, you know, federal to the locals, federal to the states, different zones. It really is a, a tricky area, and uh, the Recovery Act has a lot of housing funds in here, and we're really fortunate to have John Greiner from the Department of Housing and Community Development who understands this stuff exceptionally well, and he's going to give a, a briefing for what's in the Recovery Act uh, your website's up. You can use it if you want, or just leave it there. Good morning, everyone. Again, um, again, my name is John Greiner with the Maryland Department of Housing and Community Development. We're going to get a lot of money under the, uh, the, uh, our program for housing community development. I think a lot of you, hopefully, when you came in the door, picked up this, this sheet. Uh, this is really important because first things first. When you look at this sheet, as I said, there are money that's coming in to different agencies and whatever else in the state. If you're here, and I, for example, the first program on here is the Tax Credit Assistance Program, and it only lists DHCD. If DACD is the only person that's listed, then you apply to us for money. But if you go down the list, for example, to the CDBG program, you'll see money that's going to Annapolis or Baltimore City or, or Salisbury or whatever else. Then you apply directly to them because they're, called what's, they're what's called entitlement jurisdictions. So when you make sure that when you do this, if you're looking for money, that you apply to the right people. Because if you come into the state for CDBG money and you're in Baltimore City, you're automatically not eligible because Baltimore City gets its own CDBG money. Second thing, when you look at this chart, just so you know, you notice here it has the, the, who's getting the money, the name of the program, who's getting it, and it has the amount. And it also has a, a column about program and admin. I know an awful lot of you as nonprofits are looking for money to meet your staffing costs and whatever else. Some of these programs have absolutely no money available for admin. Some of them have a fair amount that they can pass through to you as nonprofits if you get a grant from them. So just look at that if that's one of the things that you're concerned about or looking for. Know that that's coming up. I'm going to go a little bit over the uh, – now, this is our website that talks about the Recovery Act, and you can actually go through and, and see all the different programs and stuff there. But I'm going to talk about the money and what these programs are used for and some of the deadlines so that you can come in, or if you're interested in getting the money, you can get it. The first one here on this sheet is the Tax Credit Assistance Program. Basically, this program is for multifamily projects that um, already got an allocation of low-income housing tax credits in 2007, 2008, or 2009. Uh, the application period – is just due July 8th. So if you go on this, and I'm, I'm not going to even try to fool with this while I'm talking. I'm not that good with this technology stuff. You come in on the 8th. I can't chew gum and talk at the same time. I can't do computers and gum at the same time, okay? Um, July 8th is the application deadline for this. It's only for multifamily projects. Again, only for projects that already got an allocation of low-income housing tax credits. The one below this is the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Assistance Program. 
This is also only for multifamily housing. It's $80 million. I mean, all the stuff that's coming into housing is bricks and mortars types of things, pretty much. Uh, $80 million for the construction of multifamily housing. Again, anybody can apply for this one. The applications are going to be due uh, fairly soon. The, uh, we have to get in our, our information to the Treasury Department on the uh, 4th of June. Uh, if that's something to think about. You know, we get money from appropriations. We get an awful lot of money through the tax code. This $80 million is coming through, through us through the tax code, not through an appropriation. Community development block grants. These applications are due basically by the 5th. So if you're sitting here in Baltimore City or Baltimore County or any other jurisdiction, talk to your local people now because they are preparing and doing the list as we speak on, on the community development block grant funds, recovery funds. If you're under the state program, if you're out in the eastern shore or western Maryland, because again, that, where they, we take care of the non-entitlements in this case, the application was already due. You already missed that one. But um, if you're obviously if you're in the city or someplace else, that's an entitlement that's on this list. You have to get your, get your bid in by June 5th to the local government. I think on some of these, they actually have the contacts. I'm afraid I don't, I don't think all of these got copied correctly. I put at the back of a lot of these who actually call and, and find them, but I don't think all of these wound up with the, with the contact people on there. But some of these lists did, so hopefully you've got one that's got all the contact people. If not, let me know, uh, get you, I'll, and I will email that to you. Homeless prevention programs, this is short-term housing assistance for people who basically have lost their jobs or threatened with homelessness. This application was due into HUD Monday, so we submitted it on Monday on time. Uh, basically, this money is going to be doing short-term rental assistance. Um, people are coming up with um, you know, ways to give it out. The state is giving out money out by a combination of formula and competition. This is one of the very few places that if you are in Baltimore City, you can apply to the state as well as to the city to get money. Uh, we're going to use a, a num some of this money for uh, homeless prevention activities in terms of improving computer systems. We're going to use it for housing locator services to ha help find housing for people who are evicted uh, or are threatened with eviction. It can be used to pay things like back rents as well as short-term rental assistance. Again, the city also got money, as did Baltimore County and some others, but uh, this is uh, something you should pay attention to real close. It got, I said Monday was the due date of this, so we got it in a Monday, but we actually have a formula then that we're going to give it out or a competition where we're going to give it out, and that will be available uh, basically by uh, June 1st as, the, as application deadlines will open, and you'll have to have your applications in by July 1st. Community services block grant. This only goes to community action agencies. This is basically the guys who use money for Head Start and other types of things like that or... Uh, um, and so they got that money directly. The uh, weatherization assistance program, huge, huge amount of money. Uh, we usually get about $2.7 million a year. We're going to get $61 million. This is to do energy efficiency uh, for single-family homes. And, so we, and so we're getting an awful lot of money into that. The, the, the organizations that are the primary recipients have already been chosen, but they're going to be choosing a lot of subcontractors and stuff to do the actual work, the actual bricks and mortars work on the houses. And this is basically for single family. I'm not going to take MEA's thunder, Maryland Energy Administration, but they're also giving us money for the multifamily side. But this $61 million is basically to do re rehabs and repairs for energy efficiency on single family homes. And then there's a PHA capital fund. All the, the, the public housing authorities that have physical units, and you can be a public housing authority without physical units, because if you, if you only administer Section 8, they're getting money for fixing up their units. So, again, more bricks and mortars types of things to fix up uh, public housing. 
So they're getting another $45 million. And then, the, and then there's the Energy Retrofit Program, which despite its name is actually a paying Section 8 rents for people. Everybody says Energy Retrofit, you're going to fix up the multifamily. It's actually to pay rents for tenants. In addition to all these funds, there's a lot of other funds out there. A neighborhood stabilization program is a competitive program that's out there right now. Locals can apply. This is basically to buy foreclosed properties, fix them up, and to you know either sell them or rent them to low-income households. The um, there's a if you saw the slides here that were going past on the on the president's website, there was one a new energy bond uh, bill that DACD is working with uh, DBED and some others figuring out how exactly what administer. It was created last year. Basically, over $50 million to do energy efficiency improvements to government buildings. There's just all sorts of things. I'd also say, as you look at this, pay, pay attention to the regular block grants as well, because one of the things that's happening, especially on the housing community development side, is that if you're getting this money, uh, you may be changing your regular grants. For example, since we got all this homeless prevention money, we took our normal homeless prevention grants, emergency shelter grants, and we shifted all of that money over to maintenance and operating costs. Typically, that money can be used for short-term rental assistance as well. But we said, that, you know, if we're getting $5.7 million to do short-term rental assistance and, and nonprofits are having a problem meeting their, their operating costs and their maintenance costs, let's just shift all the money over on and, and the regular ESG programs if they have more money to do that. So that's the type of thing we did. And I think a lot of other agencies are doing that, not only housing and community development agencies, but a lot of agencies are doing They're shifting their money around. So really pay attention to what these other guys are doing, and you'll have, uh, you know, and you'll know they, they may not be meeting your needs through ARA, but they may be meeting your needs through the regular programs. So pay attention as you go through. Again, we have this whole website where you can click on some of the individual programs, tax credit assistance program. Let's see. Let's, let's go to the... Community Development Block Grant, you can see, you know, how much money we're giving out to different uh, agencies and, or different uses, where the money's coming from, allocation. We have maps here, too, that will show where the grants are going out and things like that. Again, I kept talking about May and June deadlines or July deadlines, so we're not really, we haven't populated these maps yet with where the actual grants are going, but you will be able to see that, and you'll be able to see that for all these programs. And thank you very much, and at the end, I'll be happy to take any questions you have. Okay, you've already heard a lot about energy, and this is even before we have Dave Cronin from the Maryland Energy Administration up here to talk, but he, he's coming next. Uh, if you're, you're lucky or unlucky enough to actually having read this bill, the Recovery Act, the, the topic of energy is everywhere. I mean, most bills, it's really, you know, whatever you're interested in is clearly chopped out in one section. So if you care about Fire Act grants, you, you know where to go for that. But this bill... Um, if it's military construction, if that's what you're doing, there are very specific rules for what you have to do around weatherizing new, new military sites. And, um, again, the list is really quite extensive. And I would say, without sort of picking favorites here, there is no agency in state government that's seeing an influx by the percentage magnitude that MEA is facing in terms of new dollars coming in to a very, very small office. David just said they're staffed up to 20 now. It used to be quite a bit less than 20, so even that's a big increase. But it's, uh, uh, I talked about the money flowing through existing programs, and that's what the majority of the Recovery Act did, because it got money out the door quickly. But the handful of new programs are some of the more interesting things, and energy is one of the areas that does have some new programs. So here comes uh, David Cronin. 
Good morning, all. Um, several things that, uh, that the dollars that flow to the Maryland Energy Administration and to the state um, will cover will be part of uh, Governor O'Malley's Smart Green and Growing initiatives. And those are directed to lower utility bills for, for homeowners, to create jobs, and to reduce emissions into our air and, and water. Um, there are the portions of the um, portions of the investments from the uh, ARRA uh, are listed. Some of them are on the handout that was outside. Um, description of some of the programs and on the back side are, are the allocations, the entitled allocations that go to the top ten cities and counties. Um, if you are part of those jurisdictions um, and are interested in applying, those are the jurisdictions that you apply to directly. They will uh, apply on June 25th, uh, as will the state for the remainder. Now, the, those that are not listed, the towns and, towns and counties and um, cities that are not listed here as entitled, will work with the Maryland Energy Administration. We get an additional uh, $9.5 million. This list gets about $42 million for projects that they want to do. So if you are in one of these jurisdictions, you apply directly to those jurisdictions that, uh, that have the money. So take, take a good look. Um, let me take a minute. Uh, how many people have applied for federal grants so far? Raise your hands if you've applied for federal, federal grants. Um, it's somewhat cumbersome process. They have it's it's all through it's all online now, so if you are if you are on this group and, or want to participate with this group, I suggest you work quickly to get a Duns number, to register with the CCR, which is uh, I'm not exactly sure what its acronym means, Central Contracting Register, and then also register with Fed Connect. I mean it's it's cumbersome, but once you get the hang of it. Um, if you are applying directly to the federal government, you have to go through those steps. So I would recommend you get those uh, credentials under your belt as quickly as you can. Um, the three areas, let's see, uh, the Maryland Energy Administration gets about $52 million directly to administer new programs for uh, a variety of uh, projects that we'll, I'll discuss in a second. Weatherization, you, also, you saw how much that was, about $61 million, um, significant increase. And part of, part of the issues that we're going to have to face are, are good ones in that they will be creating jobs and, and training for new people to rate homes and go in and weatherize homes. Um, it's been a – there's a, there's a um, plug in the process for training for weatherization. We're trying to move forward on that. Um, but that will create some some additional jobs, and um, we've been working with the Maryland um, uh, Home Performance Program to train as many uh, energy raters as possible. You'll see it on our website. Um, go to Maryland Home Performance, and if if individually you're interested in finding out how efficient your home is, or you're working with an agency that wants to to deal with that, um, it's it's on there. Um, we also have uh, the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Block Grants, and that's what the entitlement 
piece of it is the block grants go um, 42 million go directly to those top 10 cities and counties uh, nine and a half million dollars comes to us to administer to the remainder it's it's not sure how the equity is but that's that's the way they divvied it up um, so we will be um, putting out solicitation our applications due the the 25th of June we'll be working with you to um, to if you're not one of those direct cities um, and counties to uh, put together projects for for the summer also there will be billions more in competitive grants through the Department of Energy so keep your eyes open for those uh, the three main main areas that we're going to be investing in are to expand energy efficiency that's first and foremost um, to promote renewables and to finance um, clean energy innovation so that can be um, a variety of, of renewables and, and efficiency um, and keep in mind lowering bills and creating jobs are the are the overarching um, things that we're trying to do with these dollars uh, for expanding energy efficiency we're going to work with DHCD on the multi-housing uh, retrofits that um, John has taken care of most of the of the single family I don't know how the what the backlog is but lots of areas have significant backlogs and we're trying to try and move into the next step and to do the multifamily because uh, they they use need significant uh, assistance in in retrofits for energy efficiency there um, trying to create at least a hundred jobs in that situation and help thousands of families and expect 15 to 25 percent um, reduction in the energy consumption now you always balance the the bills with the rates so as the rates go up you're saving actually more even though relative to what you would have saved so you have to keep that in mind um, we're also uh, providing loans and grants for uh, industrial and commercial and institutional um, entities six million dollars in loans and a million dollars in in grants for leading edge technology grants um, we have a state agency loan program and it's been in existence since 1989 it's uh, cumulative savings about 20 million dollars mostly through energy performance contracts which most of the large um, local governments have experienced uh, basically a contractor comes in and does design installation monitoring evaluation for a contract fee you take it out of your operating expenses um, and he guarantees you savings over that period of time if the savings don't show up it's on his nickel so it's an interesting concept and we've been using it in the state um, we're also expanding our uh, empowering clean energy communities we just went through a, a round of grants those haven't been announced yet uh, but we'll have another million dollars in uh, in loans to nonprofits that will be available in July um, we're promoting renewable energy through uh, res our res current residential energy um, I'm sorry renewable energy grants we have a wait list for those at this point we're going to use some of the stimulus money to get people off the wait list and uh, hopefully get to another thousand or so families that are installing wind solar geothermal systems um, and we're trying to work on the uh, mid-size uh, kind of institutional uh, size systems the 10 kilowatt to 100 kilowatt systems anything over 100 kilowatts uh, a large developer is going to come in and, and try and 
um, help with that process. But the, the medium-sized systems have difficulty getting off the ground, so we're going to try and push some of those systems. Um, also working to uh, improve the transportation um, costs through um, and promote energy independence. And we're working on alternative fuels, um, electric hybrids, and consumer behavior. So we'll be, you can track activities there. Um, trying to finance energy efficiency um, through uh, initiatives that, will, that may um, provide low-interest loans through uh, connection to your property taxes. You can pay off the efficiency improvements through your property taxes. City of Annapolis and, and um, communities in Montgomery County have started this process. We're, we're reviewing it to see how we can leverage um, capital, private capital, to make these efficiency improvements happen. And the payment uh, conveys with the property. Um, we're also uh, doing grants to uh, attract uh, more clean energy businesses to the state. So we're looking at uh, renewables, we're looking at a variety of other uh, opportunities to make more jobs appear in Maryland. And we're doing um, energy training with uh, DHCD and uh, building code uh, officials. We really need to, uh, the, the amount of dollars that are available in just efficiency improvements that are on the books uh, for, for code improvements um, would be, is significant. So that's the, that's the bulk of it, and um, take questions later on. Thanks. Okay, now, bulk was the right word, I and mean, this really is a, it's a bulky collection of new activities dropped on an agency that's working pretty hard. I feel guilty every time I get a speaker out from the agency because that's pushing back the time taken to get new uh, notices out or new, new reviews done. Um, I'm going to ask Patty to come up. Where, where is she going? There she is in the back. Uh, the Governor's Office of Crime Control and Prevention. Every state has an agency like this, and uh, a lot of the U.S. Department of Justice grant funds that get passed through to actual uh, nonprofits go through an agency like Crime Control and Prevention. And the Recovery Act is, uh, has provided some new funds for our crime control and prevention agency, but the interesting thing is they do a lot of other things as well. So I'm finding that this is an opportunity for people who normally normally don't deal with this agency to introduce them to some of the good things you've done as well. So, Patty. Good morning. I'm Patty Mokel. I'm the communications director from the Governor's Office of Crime Control and Prevention. And our mission is to put Maryland families first in terms of safety and security in the communities in which they work and the communities in which they live. We um, tend to and uh, monitor uh, many, many grants from the state government and the federal government concerning crime. We did receive a, a batch of funds from the Recovery Act in April and almost immediately set them out. We are going to have a second round, or we expect to have a second round of grants in the fall. If you got one of my sheets, it explains, um, I'm basically going to go through it, but <clears throat> you can go on our website, um, which, let's see, as you can see, we have our recovery investment, and if we were to go down, well, it's not going to go down. There's a map 
And if you click on your county, you'll find out who your county monitor is. So if you have specific questions, you've heard there might be money available, you can use our website to find out who to talk to, get a direct person. Okay, so um, I'm going to go over some of the grants that um, have already, unfortunately, have passed. One was uh, the submissions were due on April 30th, the Violent Offender Warrant Reduction Program. This is actually really exciting for our office. It gives us extra money to go out and um, allow officers and sheriffs to um, uh, serve warrants. You may be surprised to find that there are hundreds of warrants that never get, that get delayed because our officers and sheriffs are so busy. So this gives them the money to go out and get these people off the street who are wanted for crimes. So it's uh, very important for the safety of our whole state. The next is technology and crime analysts. This is part of a new program in the state that the governor started uh, after doing it in the city. Um, for crime analysis and for CompStat on demand. That's using computer analysis to figure out where crimes are occurring and then figure out trends. I just spoke to someone from Frederick, the city of Frederick, I guess about two weeks ago. He said they had a crime analyst who got on board in, in um, October. And by December, he had analyzed um, a series of home break-ins they'd been having. And by the end of February, they had arrested 17 people. And so um, that shows you what a crime analyst can do. That was due on May 19th, just a day ago. And um, so that's over. The next one is cops hiring. This is to actually replace or hire police officers who had to be let go because of the economy. So this is pretty significant as well. The Stop VAWA Recovery and Reinvestment Program, that was application was um, due on May 6th. This is all about domestic violence, and this money is for it's it's a, a funded formula, so some goes to prosecution, some to nonprofit, non-governmental victim services programs, um, and then five percent to courts. And um, it's um, working really hard to stop the problem of domestic violence, which is a a difficult problem, as I'm sure you're all aware. And finally, we just became um, the 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 agency that's in charge of. Um, monitoring VOCA grants. Um, VOCA is Victims of Crime, and we're going to be doing this. We haven't announced yet when, it's, um, when applications are due. Once again, just go on our website. You'll find out what, what is available. It's usually at the bottom of the first page. You just double-click on whatever um, grant is available there, and that will take you to um, finding out about what you have to do. We do have wonderful technical assistance. Um, people uh, actually write um, letters to our boss about how wonderful our people are. Because if you have trouble, you have, to, you have to apply online. And if you have trouble, they will help you. One other thing that you should know is that, um, as far as I understand, in September sometime, there's going to be a second round of grants for um, community organizations for anti-crime efforts. It can be anything from uh, community beautification or cleanup to block watch patrols to um, lighting. So you may want to keep an eye on our website. Like I said, September is when we think this money is going to be available. It's in small, it's not huge increments. It's $2,500, $3,000, but it would, it's for specific community organizations.
If there are any other questions, I'll be glad to take them after the meeting. Thanks. At the end of the meeting. I'm gonna, before we, we wrap up the GoCap, I, I do want to sc- scroll down the home page. There it is. The, the map thing, I, I just wanted to point out, it's interesting because the staff at, at GoCap has been reorganized, so there really is a person for each jurisdiction. And in the past, it used to be an expert on, you know, I only did VOCA grants or I only did Bulletproof S, and now all of a sudden you're trying to tie together activity in a particular community. I think it's a really good way to go. So even if you have nothing pending right now, but you think you'd be interested, it's worth going to your particular county, and, and you click on and you can see Baltimore County, Latanya Edie, I mean, and, and it's a real live person who's doing this stuff, so I think it's a, it's a big improvement. Next up is Carolyn Edmonds with Department of Human Resources, and Carolyn's been, uh, been a, a good friend of the Governor's Grants Office for some time. It's um, Department of Human Resources, one of those big sprawling agencies that has each Department of Social Services, and she's really built a network with her county DSS folks that are out there, and uh, uh, has tried to do a good job of making sure that the county governments learn from their peers and what's actually going on. So on Recovery Act funds, this will be the first time I've heard Carolyn actually talk about what DHR is going to be doing with the, the, uh, the Recovery Act funds. And it's, uh, so I'm looking forward to this presentation as much as you probably are. Nope. Uh, We'll see how good you are if you can talk about the Commission on Human Relations. There we go. Good morning and thanks, Eric. I won't be using the presentation. I'm with the, Carolyn Edmonds. I'm with the Department of Human Resources. And I'm actually the grant specialist, overall generic grant specialist for our agency. And I'm happy to be here, though. Most of the pre- presentations I do are on helping groups or people find money. Um, this is a little different because the stimulus money or the recovery money um, came from the feds with some very specific things to do with them. Um, Let me just tell you a little bit about the department. I think everyone is aware of social services. Human Resources is the central agency here in Baltimore just down the street. And basically, um, we pursue opportunities to assist people in economic needs, provide prevention services, and protect vulnerable children and adults. And we do this through many programs. We have four program administrations. Um, We're located in every jurisdiction, Baltimore City and the 23 counties. Um, And we have offices, about 50 offices throughout the state. So we're we're pretty big for a little state. Um, We have several priorities, and I'll just talk about those briefly, and then I'll go to what you really want to hear is what we're doing with our recovery monies. Um, We have a priority um, called Place Matters. That's to help us with our child welfare services and to keep children in their homes or with their families. Um, We work to improve employment outcomes. We work to strengthen the state's workforce. Um, We 
also are working toward investing in DHR's infrastructure and through our social services administration, um, we work on a number of adult service programs. Specifically, and if you can tell from these glasses, little blind is a bat, but I'm going to try to read this. Um, we've received recovery monies, and they're really a combination of monies. Um, one is to increase um, programming and funding to support our needy families across the state. Things most common are, are obviously food stamps and temporary cash assistance or public assistance. Um, but additionally, we received, have received increased funding to administer um, these critical programs, which also include things such as child support enforcement or medical assistance. And it's done in, in a couple of ways. Um, we received what's called increased federal medical assistance percentages, or FMAPs, um, that are really match money. So as the department is working with various populations, um, depending on who we're working with, how many we're working with, et cetera, we received increased federal funding, but they're drawdown dollars. So they're pulling from a larger pot of money, but, but they are in, indeed drawdown. Um, these monies, though, that we can receive through the FMAP matches um, can be used to match in Medicaid, used to match in Title IV-E assistance, which is child welfare, um, but more specifically, they help with foster care programs and adoption assistance programs. Um, these funds are used to pay for out-of-home placement of children and the services that support them, and we also use this to provide adoption subsidies. So that increased, it's, it's a strange name, but the increased FMAP matches are the first big um, block of funds that the department has received or will receive um, over the next 27-month 20, period. I guess it's now down to about 24-month period under the Recovery Act. Um, we received close to $23 million in, in that allocation. Um, Food stamps, in case you hear people talk about SNAP, the new name, federal name for food stamps, is the Supplemental Nutrition and Assistance Program, and we did receive monies to increase the benefits um, for participants in that area. Um, basically, it was a 13.6% increase across the board for people who are receiving um, food stamps. For a family of four, this translates out to roughly about $80 a month in increased monies. We also received administrative monies to, to run that program. Um, third category is temporary assistance um, to needy families. For those of you who are old-timers, that's the old AFDC program. For the state of Maryland, our um, temporary assistance program is called our Temporary Cash Assistance Program, or TCA. And we received emergency contingency funds, um, basically referred to as emergency funds, for this population. Um, states such as Maryland, um, this is to give us additional funding for families that are coming in to us because of the economic downturn, job loss, et cetera. Um, this is a drawdown program, and it permits the states to draw down 80% of the growth, and it's a formula, um, in spending between the current quarter and the base year quarter. 
For example, um, if Maryland's temporary cash assistance spending grows $5 million in a quarter of a base year, then this allows Maryland to draw down an additional $4 million in emergency funds. And these emergency funds um, provide services or benefits in the following area. It increases the amount of monies we have for the temporary cash assistance. It provides short-term or one-time grant payments made to prevent eviction or utility shutoff, um, and it provides subsidized employment. And the Department of Human Resources is working with several state agencies on initiative on employment initiatives, and one of those is Maryland Rise, and we'll be using funding um, from the Recovery Act for that. Two other areas are the Child Support Enforcement Incentive Match, um, this, and all of this is rather technical, but basically it restores for a two-year period federal child support incentive match monies. Um, and Maryland stands to draw down, but you notice again the words draw down, um, up to $30 million through this funding source. And incentive monies in this area can be used to privatize and outsource child support enforcement, to increase public awareness, um, to establish community outreach programs and activities, and to improve um, automation capabilities. We have not yet put out any um, solicitations around this money because it's, it's a drawdown, so it it's, it's coming, but it hasn't really come yet. So you'll be hearing more from us, and it will be posted on our website. And then the last thing that many of you may have heard about is TFAP monies, Temporary Emergency Food Assistance Programs. Um, this is the money that has come out to provide more support in food commodities and um, grant dollars to emergency food shelters. And this money has been going out, is going out, and has been going out. Um, a great deal of this money is going out to assist to our existing providers to um, provide more assistance in their local jurisdictions. We have a, at least one, if not several, TFAP providers in each of our jurisdictions. We received an additional $3 million for that. Um, and that's sort of, so we got several program programs receive money or several items we receive recovery money, but really it's really for assist existing um, grantees or it's drawdown monies that are going to be used to increase direct payments or direct assistance payments. Okay, so that's it, um, but if you want to talk about looking for money <laughs> outside of stimulus money, just see me, that I'm a little bit better at. Okay. I'm going to apologize. I don't think we have a speaker here from Labor Licensing and Regulation. I'm scanning, and I don't see the, the face I was hoping to see. So what I will, I will um, very, very briefly do, Labor Licensing and Regulation is where the job training money goes. And the real quick summary of where new opportunities are around job training will be with the, the individual workforce investment boards. Um, there's a lot of discretion that the U.S. Department of Labor money goes to our state labor licensing and regulation, and that's around summer jobs and other types of workforce training. 
And the money, this is one area where the money really spikes way up and then goes way down again when its program ends. So what most of the local workforce boards have chosen to do is not staff up, but look for other programs that might be either doing something that they already think is proven successful or they haven't quite taken a chance on in the past. And they'll say, well, let's, let's try them now. Let's see how things go. So a lot of the direct funding opportunities won't be through the state agency, but through the, the workforce investment boards. Um, if you have more specific questions on that, you can talk to me afterwards and we can get you the right contacts a dollar. But it's, uh, it, it was kind of an interesting um, interesting place to throw a good chunk of money. That's also where the unemployment benefit money comes. You know, Some of you know a few states, a few governors have made a big deal out of not accepting the, the increases in unemployment. We're not one of those states. Um, uh, we'd be happy to take the money that the other states are turning back, except that's not quite how it works. And then an interesting piece that we're working on really right now is, is on the finding jobs in Maryland that are funded with recovery acts. And um, this is a case of where I'm almost reluctant to click on that, but I'll do it anyway. Because what we're supposed to have in the next couple of days is a link back to the governor's site. So you can see not just contracts, but grants, but actual jobs. And, and the state system, uh, this workforce exchange, which again, I don't know that well, but it's supposed to really try to pull together all the new job opportunities. And what we're working on, I mean, anyone can use this anytime, but we're trying to work on a way to highlight where the new recovery dollars are actually coming. So with that, I just wanted to plug two other events, and then we'll start the Q&A. What, what you're seeing here today is, is a piece of what the grants office does. We've, we've had two regional trainings. We have two more coming, and the full-day trainings, um, the one is May 28th on the Eastern Shore at Chesapeake uh, Community College, and then June 16th in Rockville at Montgomery Community College. The full-day session, what you see here is dessert. This is the fun stuff. Uh, the, the vegetables come at the other sessions where the first part of the day is, is getting your organizations ready to decide, do you even want to go after grants? Are you able to accept these if they come in? Uh, we'll have community foundation people doing some of the training. Um, the middle piece is sort of what you're seeing here. The state agencies get up, talk about specific opportunities. At those sessions, we'll have DBED talking a bit more about business opportunities. We didn't do much of that. We didn't do any of that today. And then the afternoon is grants management. And that's one of the things our office does is, you know, that's, that's worse than vegetables. I like vegetables. Grants management is, uh, is just really tough, but it's very important. And it's more important now than ever because the Recovery Act, this whole, the whole push for transparency and accountability, there are ways that the new law makes it even more difficult to manage federal grants than was the case in the past, whether it's your direct recipient or a sub-recipient. So we talk a little bit about those things, and we try to scare off the faint of heart who, who – um, if this is something you've done before, this is a good time to be more involved. We really try to be pretty honest. If this is going to be your first time going after federal grants, doing it through these recovery channels is, is pretty tricky, with a couple exceptions. Some of the energy things are different. Some of the housing things are different. But um, you know, a couple of universities have said, boy, is, is now the time to go after NIH grants? And the answer is, yeah, you can do it. But the, the places like Hopkins and College Park that make a living off of this are just going to do more. And even arts money, the National Endowment for the Arts, had new funds coming in. The first wave of recovery funds only went to arts groups that had received NEA grants in the last three or four years. The state will be pushing more money through and things like that. So groups that are set up to do this stuff um, are best positioned to do better. And there are a couple exceptions, and we hit on those earlier today. So with that, I'm looking for, there's Andrea. Do you want to moderate the Q&A? And, here, and, and here's the only issue is I know you're recording, 
and yet the acoustics are good enough that the people answering are sort of scattered around the audience. So you decide how you want to go next. Hi, this question is for Neil because I've never seen this addressed in, in any of the Maryland budget conversations. What is going to be the impact of BRAC on the budget? I mean, is there going to be a positive impact in the next couple of years? Are we going to get some revenues coming out of that development? Or are we just going to get increased expenses? I mean, is BRAC in your numbers in any way? Yeah. And I'm saying that because I'm from Anne Arundel County and we really want to know what's going on. Yeah, that's a great question. So we're going to get some, I think the number is 20,000 new households, many of them high income households coming in, starting, it's already started, and over the next two or three years associated with base realignment, it's going to affect the Fort Meade area, going to affect Southern Maryland, going to affect up in, in the uh, northeastern part of the state around Aberdeen and Montgomery County related to the consolidation of the medical complexes out there. Um, and the short answer is yes, there are factors folded into the official state revenue estimates that account for that additional income and economic activity. Um, the lieutenant governor has been in charge of the BRAC efforts at the state level, and he ha has, and, and the folks and, and uh, local governments he's been working with have done a lot in sort of hard infrastructure areas, schools and houses and roads and this sort of thing. Um, there's a BRAC impact on, on the whole array of nonprofit services because these new uh, employment centers and new residents are going to need everything from social services to arts opportunities. And so far, less has been done to coordinate the provision of nonprofit services that will be caused by BRAC. So, uh, you know, I think everyone in the state and state government and, and local governments uh, that are affected are well aware of BRAC. They've done their best to fold some sort of a factor into the projections. Um, you know, projections are projections. They don't always come true the way you think they will, but they're, they're, they're doing their best. Will there be support from the federal government for BRAC expenses or in addition to stimulus money? I mean, I, I hate to see stimulus being considered a substitute for BRAC support. Um, you, you know, we... We fought hard to get these <laughs> installations. Uh, so uh, our congressional delegation has gotten some money, particularly in the areas of transportation and housing. Um, but uh, 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 frankly, it's supposed to be a net benefit for the state. The states that are losing bases are very jealous of us. So it's a tough sell on Capitol Hill to, 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 to hey, we won these base expansions. Now give us money because we can't afford them. <laughs> Um, curiosity led me to ask this question. It would be to David Cronin, uh, the Maryland Energy Assistant. There were some people in the community that were asking about the um, solar home projects. So I was wondering, does um, the stimulus package or the energy assistance program include any of the uh, solar home heating and air conditioning? Uh, it will 
it will provide some funds for the those renewable grant programs. We have a waiting list for uh, the, the renewable grants. We have solar program, geothermal heat pump program, and wind uh, residential wind program. They all have waiting lists. The, some of the stimulus money will go to taking people off those lists, so providing the grants. Um, the federal government, uh, in, in the original uh, stimulus act that President Bush enacted, um, increased the, uh, the federal tax credit for homeowners. Uh, it's a 30% uh, tax credit for solar and for geothermal wind, and it said there was, an, there, there, were, there was a cap associated with it, but now that cap has come off. So that's a significant increase. And so our grant dollars are going to change, and they're going to be reduced because of that increase in, this, in the federal tax credit. And ours are grants, and those grants have been um, thought to be, considered to be taxable income. So we give it, then we take it away. Um, but we will have, so those, some of those monies will go to taking people off the wait list and for probably up to a thousand new grants. I don't think I need this mic either, but uh, I just want to commend the staff. I'm really impressed. Andrew invited me, but I have a question that is maybe three-pronged. Uh, with the weatherization and what's going on in workforce development, and I'm representing the faith community and also a private community in Baltimore City, how can nonprofits that are faith-based, community-based, build collaborations to um, actually apprehend the the um, the monies that are in the um, I'm involved with the training part of getting jobs and I'm working on a community level to stimulate uh, workforce development in Baltimore City and also in the faith community to really invest in what the government is trying to do so at this aspect the weatherization I'm working with gang members and community leaders all over the city to get young people involved with the training so that part I'm very much interested in, and I'm also interested in how to facilitate the faith community being really at the door with working with uh, the governor and also within each state agency, because now there's less money. We have to learn how to work together. And I'm, I'm really blessed at this, um, this pre presentation today, but I have a lot of questions that I can't ask you right now because I represent so many faith-based entities. But how do we get um, invested in bringing the faith community on in line with this, the money that the president has made um, available and also community organizations? I represent Park Ice right now, and I represent about 12 different organizations that are excited about training and investing in uh, workforce development, but we really want to find a way of connecting to state agencies to do it. So. And Deborah, I don't know if you want to come talk about the office. No, 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 no. That, I'll, but I'll, that, no, no. Um, I think I got part. The governor's office of community initiatives includes um, sort of the faith community is supposed to be rolled into that, and uh, the office on service and volunteerism is part of the office of community initiatives. It also has various. Um, keep calling the the commissions and it's a it's a collection of commissions we have a new commission on african affairs it was just opened up this week but the faith 
community, that's meant to be the main point of contact for the governor to tie in the various things. On, on. Yeah, I'm not sure. One of the staff members I've been, I've been involved with, uh, on the faith community involved in the uh, state of Maryland since the, uh, since 2000. I've been doing community and faith-based initiatives. The thing is, the question is, how does the faith community recruit Americorps to build a major volunteer service part of the state that will ensure people getting jobs because we know that the state doesn't have a lot of money. I'm and that's why I'm asking you. I can talk to you Okay, no, and I, and I actually say that might be the better thing, because afterwards, if the two of us sure. can talk, because that's, um, that's the kind of thing, there's an opportunity to do more of that now, and, you know, usually when people say, I have a faith question, it still comes down to, if it's job training, if it's AmeriCorps, that'll get you to the right state people. But afterwards, if you and Deborah want to talk, and I'll come by, because that's, that, they'll be the right folks. My question is for Neil, and I think it's a bit easier to answer. Um, I just was wondering, you talked about the training on the Eastern Shore on May 28th and June 16th in Rockville. Are there any plans to have it closer to home, like in Baltimore City or Baltimore County? So these are, these are training uh, sessions that the Governor's Grants Office is putting on. And um, I think... Uh, yeah, I know there there were some in, in in Central Maryland earlier in the year in what February and March, um, and so if if we hear enough interest from from nonprofits in Central Maryland and and uh, Metro Washington, uh, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to sit down with Eric and and we'll figure something out and we'll put it on the schedule. We'll we'll uh, 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 Maryland nonprofits can take on that charge. Yeah, I was just going to say, we've, we've done two. This is a real tricky time for state government. So you've heard that we, we've lost staff, we're cutting back, we're furloughing people, we're trying to get the word out on the programs at the same time as we're trying to get back in the office and put the programs together. So um, Rockville isn't that far from here, and it's basically going to be the same program. So we've done, we did one in southern Maryland, western Maryland, the eastern shore, and then Rockville is, in fact, the central Maryland location. We, we, we are... Um, I don't know how to put this. We, we have no money in our office. Anyone that wants to give us free space, free parking, and access to food and rooms, and, and the, then the community college, Montgomery County, sort of stepped up. So while that is Montgomery County, but it's Prince George's, it's meant for everybody, and it's not that tough a trip. So I'd say if, if you're really interested in that, let's talk afterwards. You can even see the presentation material. It's already on our website. So if, uh, if that entices you to come down, great. If that gives you enough information already, that's, that's great as well. Hi, a question for Ms. Edmonds. Something you mentioned about subsidies for jobs and people who might be losing employment, would that work for nonprofits who might be looking at having to cut staff to apply to get a subsidy to help keep those positions? Actually, that, and I would think Perhaps, and I have to say perhaps because I'm unfortunately not one of the staff members working on that, but that might would be in the purview, and I'm, I know our staff at our agency and at Dollar and DBED are going to see this presentation. We could certainly ask them to include that in the planning. They're putting that together now. So I don't know, but I will make sure <laughs> that it's added to the agenda for sure. Thank you. 
Um, I was wondering if there is any money or any program on the state level related to small businesses that are struggling. Small businesses, the one piece of the Recovery Act that, that um, I'm thinking is the most directly applicable is the Small Business Administration received a lot of additional funds, again, mainly to support the programs that they already do. So SBA tends not to give grants, but it's a lots of loans, technical assistance. And if you go back to the Obama, the recovery.gov site, there'll be links to each agency. The SBA has a specific link to the, the various agencies that they're dealing with. That will be the most immediate in terms of new assistance from recovery funds at the Department of Business and Economic Development. Um, then the recovery funds coming through there, nothing targeted specifically just a small business, but the few areas they're working on are dealing with things like health information technology, broadband, there are a few, and, and helping contractors find out where the new federal opportunities will be. So that's whenever there's a business question, the most direct help that I usually think of giving to small businesses is what do you do? Okay, if, and let's see if what you do ties into areas where there's new RFPs going out on contracts. So that's not quite the same as a nonprofit grants community. But again, af afterwards, you want to talk about that. Our DBED does have a small business division, um, but the SBA, which also has a Baltimore regional office, uh, a number of programs are running through. And unlike the energy issues, it's mostly existing programs. So if you've dealt with SBA before, the odds are you'll be familiar with what they've got to offer. It's just more, say more of the same. That's probably not, that, that's not quite fair. But uh, they've addition, given additional funds. Um, and they will tend to be in loans and financing areas where SBA typically does most of their work. Good morning. I guess this is for Mr. John. Yes, I pulled up the um, application for shelter and transitional housing. And we, what we want to know, um, our nonprofit agency and our church want to know is there's someone that can help us with um, filling out the application to make sure that we have everything completed correctly uh, yes actually they should have a team of people who would help you uh, uh, this talking about the shelter and transitional housing grant program it's actually a state program that builds homeless shelters and, and transitional housing and the state actually if you've talked to the people in the main office Linda Webb is the person who heads the program 410-514-7446 the um, They'll give you a team of people. They'll actually give you like an engineer and other people will actually look at the buildings that you want to do and everything else to make sure that the building's in good shape, that you don't want to buy a house to turn into transitional housing or something, and it's a, a, a thing that's going to require $800,000 worth of work or something because it's, you know, falling apart. But, the, but talk to the people. Talk to Linda. They'll do a t uh, team. They'll help you with the application. They'll help you actually find other sources of money. You know, we give you half to up to 75% of the money. They'll actually help you find other ways to raise the money that, for your share and everything else. So talk to Linda. I have a question about the recruitment process for AmeriCorps. So we have a lot of young people in our program that are graduating from high school this year, and I was wondering if there's kind of any expansion for the services for 18-year-olds getting involved in AmeriCorps and how we can get our students kind of funneled into that type of a job opportunity. I wish this happened last Monday and you came to our Opportunities Fair on Tuesday. 
because we did have a big opportunities fair. We had a lot of AmeriCorps members there, and we could have answered that for all of them. But it's never too late. Um, you can, I can come out and speak to your group, or we can have other organizations. If you saw an organization on the list that I passed out that you think your members may be interested in, we can have them come as well. But I'd certainly be able to come out and talk to your members or your high school uh, students directly and let them know what's available, the timeline, the application process. And it works perfectly because usually our AmeriCorps programs in the state start in the fall. Um, so it's perfect timing. Uh, there are some that have summer slots and enrollments because of the Recovery Act money. They have additional slots to fill. So if they're 18, a U.S. citizen, um, they're good. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really an easy process, and I can help them walk through it. I know we're, it's, it's noon, and I'm sure some of you are on meters. Um, so I want to thank you all so much. Thank you to all the speakers. Thank you to Maryland Nonprofits and Eric with the Governor's Grants Office. And what I will do, um, I've got your email, so I will send you an email with some of the links, as well as, Neil, are you okay if I send out your PowerPoint? I'll send out your PowerPoint and a link to where the podcast will be eventually. Thank you all so much.